My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Welcome as we continue our journey through the Word of God today. We're going to be finishing off the book, uh, the, sorry, the chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 29 to 40 today, where Paul warns against putting our roots down too deep in a world that is passing away. And he says this, but uh, this I say, brethren, He's saying but because he's just answered a whole lot of the questions and and every now and then he answers their questions and says, but let me just say this. Uh, Brethren, the time is short so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none, but those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess and those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. The time is short. Paul is very true to the heart and teaching of Jesus Christ, who's told all the Christians through all of the ages to be ready and anticipate the return of their Saviour. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 44, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. We're to be ready and uh, regard every time that we live in as short and close to when he's coming back. Not only because he can return at any time, but because what it does is it, it brings about a obedient on-fire walk with Jesus Christ in our lives where we, we sense the desperation of doing something now and we stop procrastinating and we stop putting off things. Because even without considering the return of Jesus, it's very worthwhile for Christians to live as if the time is short. The psalmist expressed in Psalm 39 verse 5 this attitude, Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths, the width of a hand. And my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but vapor. Gone. And the ancient Greek word for short here is the word sustello. Means contracted, rolled up uh, as sails were rolled up by ancient mariners when the ship is drawing into the harbor. So that's what, that's what it means. Hey, we're getting close. Even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Paul's not encouraging the neglect of your wife. That's not what he's saying and your family duties. He's encouraging us to live as if the time is short and and not live as if our earthly families are all that matters, but to live with an eye on eternity. And I see so many Christian families, they're just, they're just centric on themselves. They're like, well, we, we just, well, that's all we can do right now. And we're just, we're just focusing on ourselves right now. And, and Paul says, no, no, as the time draws close, and you should always think of it drawing close, have an eye on eternity. Don't neglect your familial duties, but have an eye on eternity. Don't indulge the feelings and things of this world. There should never be anything that gets in the way of us following after Jesus with absolutely everything we have. The form of this world is passing away. 
Morris said this, there is nothing solid and lasting in this world system. It is its nature to pass away. It is folly for believers to act as though its values were permanent. And then Paul goes on in verse 32, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of this world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Paul is simply recognizing that when a person doesn't have any family responsibilities, they're more free to serve God. That was the main reason that Paul considered the unmarried state preferable for himself. He who is married cares about things of this world, how he may please his wife. Paul doesn't say this to condemn a married person. Paul's saying this is how it should be for a married person. It's appropriate for it to be like this. There's something wrong if a married man doesn't care for how he pleases his wife. And there's something wrong if a married woman doesn't care about how she pleases her husband. Paul's reason for explaining these things is not to forbid marriage, but to put it into an eternal perspective. He's not putting a leash on anyone, he says. He's merely sharing from his own heart and his own experience. Now, significantly for Paul, the most important thing in life was not romantic love, but it was pleasing God. For him, he could please God better as a single man, but somebody else may please God better as a married man or a married woman, all according to our calling. Remember all the things he's talked about in this chapter. Paul insists that he doesn't want his teaching here to be regarded as a noose around anybody's neck. This has happened in the church. Uh, you can see this even in, in churches themselves. Churches in some, some areas only trust the celibate. And then in other churches, single people and, and uh, particularly single ministers are not trusted until they get married. We've got it all around the wrong way. We're not following what the Apostle Paul was talking about. That you may serve the Lord without distraction. For Paul, being unmarried meant fewer distractions in serving God. And to many modern single Christians, singleness is a horrible distraction. And I think Paul's saying they should regard their present unmarried state, whether it's temporary or permanent, as a special opportunity to please God. So then he goes on, verse 36. But if any man thinks he is behaving improperly towards his virgin, if she is past the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So then he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. The man Paul refers to is the father of a young woman or a man of marrying, marrying age, his virgin. The behaving improperly that Paul talks about it has nothing to do with any kind of improper moral behavior, but with denying his daughter or his son the right to marry based on the way that Paul values singleness. 
Remember, this is ancient culture that we are talking about here. A young person's parents had the primary responsibility for actually arranging their marriage. So based on what Paul has already taught, should a Christian father recommend celibacy for his child? This is the point he is talking to the church in Corinth about. The term virgin is uh, inclusive of both sexes. Let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. Paul said it is not wrong for a father to allow his young daughter to marry, even allowing for the desirability of singleness at that present time. Because singleness does have its benefits, Paul will recommend it not only to individuals, but to fathers in regard to the marrying off of their daughters and sons. Now, he then goes on and says, he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. For Paul, the choice between married and single was not the choice between good and bad, but better and best. And for Paul, in the light of present circumstances in Corinth, he regarded singleness as best. So then he says in verse 39, a wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment. And I think I also have the Spirit of God. It's a very interesting way for Paul to end this chapter. Uh, he says, of course, the widow has a right to re remarry. But a Christian widow, like any Christian, is really only free to remarry another Christian. In other words, don't marry somebody who's not a Christian, marry somebody who is in the Lord. And at the same time, Paul believes that such a widow would be happier if she remains as she is. In other words, single. Paul wants the widow not to remarry without carefully considering whether God is calling her to celibacy or not. Now, Paul here is affirming celibacy, but not because sex is evil, as some of the Corinthian church thought. Instead, the unmarried state, somebody's unmarried, could be superior because it gives a person, if they are so gifted, remember Paul said it's a gift, gives them more opportunity to serve God. Now, as I look at this and look at what I observe, uh, I can see that the church in Corinth was messed up. <laughs> but so is the world we live in right now. And it gives us an opportunity to see the heart of God through this letter, which was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul says, I think I also have the Spirit of God. So Paul says, listen, I'm writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So you can see that he gives guidelines, guardrails, if you like. And so ultimately, he just wants us uh, to, to, to understand God. And that's God, by the way, not Paul. God wants us to understand that this was a response by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And God wants us to look at it and say, hey, listen, whatever you're going to do, could you just ask me first? <laughs> just just ask me what I what what I want to do with your life first. Just, just give me a shot at, at speaking into your circumstance because I really do have a good, perfect and pleasing plan for your life. So just talk to me first. And I know what that's like as a pastor because many times as a pastor, people will come and tell me what God told them. Oh, God told me this and God told me that. And I'm like, oh, interesting. I don't say anything because what am I supposed to say to that? Like, no, he didn't. Um, but I don't think God really told them at all. I think they, they're just using that to rubber stamp their own desires is what I think. 
Not all the time, but I think a lot of the time. And Paul's just making the point here to the church in Corinth. Make sure that you speak what you, you seek what the Spirit of God wants you to seek. And that's the same for us today. Make sure we seek what the Spirit of God wants us to seek. That's our observation for today. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this wonderful word, this wonderful chapter, this wonderful clarity that we have about the situations and stations of life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day. Thank you.